Hey everyone, welcome to the Crossroads Podcast from Model Baptist Church. I'm Travis, here with Ethan Jago and a very special guest today, Diane Jago, uh, to discuss and answer difficult questions that young adults face concerning faith, theology, apologetics, and their implications on the Christian life. What's up, guys? How are y'all? Good. It is nice to have an additional guest with Travis and I here in the studio today. And it is. if you didn't pick up on the last name, her last name is Jago. Her first name is Diane. And she is actually my wife, believe it or not. Woohoo. If I can get married, <laughs> if I can get married, there's hope for everybody. That's fair. I'm right there. I'm right there with you on that one. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Diane is going to be here. Uh, today for our question, because I, I think just from time to time, it's nice to have an additional perspective in how Travis balances me out in the podcast. Diane does it even more so all throughout my life. And so uh, she'll, she's going to weigh in on this question today that we have. Um, and this week's been crazy because we're in the middle of VBS. Yes. Uh, it's been going great. Uh, so those of you listening that attend Olive, thank you for your prayers. Continue to pray. Um, and I also wanted to announce, too, I'm starting a class teaching on Wednesday, July the 7th. Uh, it's called Reasonable Faith, but I'm going to be taking us through classical apologetics using uh, four basic premises, uh, going through the law of non-contradiction, law of causality, uh, the basic reliability of sense perception, and then the use of analogical language. And so mm -hmm. I'm going to be talking about this in a way that is practical in the life of the Christian that is practical in the life of understanding theology, understanding the Bible, understanding God's word, and then how to appropriately answer the why questions people have uh, and uh, objections people may have towards the Christian faith. It's going to be a great time uh, starting July 7th, 6 o'clock. Uh, and if you are able to cut away from your kiddo, you should come and check it out one of these nights. It, it, it'll be fun. I might be able to do that. That'd yeah. be really cool. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's going to be a great time of interaction, uh, talking. I'm going to be... I like to start off the classes with, I don't believe that God created the world. Tell me why he did. Oh, you know, the Bible says so. I don't believe in the Bible. Well, uh, it's just great to like put put ourselves in you that know, position. In, yeah, yeah, in that position. And Diane and I do this all the time with the kiddos where we ask the kids hard questions and, well, why do you think that's true? Or why do you believe that? And they have so. some pretty good responses. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. All right. So what we got today, Travis? That's so yeah, cool. I just All had right. to pitch that July 7th, 6 o'clock here at Olive. Uh, yeah. I think we have that information up on the website too. If you go check out, like so. the find a class stuff, like I think it's in there. So. Yeah, man. Very cool. Awesome. All right. So today's question is, how can Christians show Christ's love better in a rapidly changing society? That's a good one. You know what's funny is every time you've asked that question, I always respond with that's a good one. I'll be I'll laugh if there's one day I'm like, that's a stupid question. That's fair. But, you know, we we want this to be an opportunity for people to ask the hard questions and what they may think is a stupid question, but I think the only stupid question is the one that you don't ask, right? And so what does that mean? So let's let's discuss that real quick. What do you think this person is actually asking? So read the question again, Travis. All right. How can Christians show Christ's love better in a rapidly changing society? What do you think they're actually asking with that? Well, I think it depends on your definition of rapidly changing society. Okay. So honestly, it it's kind of a – it's almost like a look-back question for me where it's like – Society today really isn't changing more rapidly than it ever has before. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm super happy that you picked up on that because this is a beautiful thing for us to, to think about is that it, that was not that it was trying to be a loaded question, yeah. but there was a presupposition that was read into that statement that makes it seem that way. And I think that's a, a great answer. Yeah. I would even say technically, is there always a better way to show God's love? I think it's timeless. Being able to show God's love is timeless. It, it doesn't ever change the way that we do it. But I think I can understand where the person's coming from because life has changed so much in the past year. Things are constantly changing with the way that we communicate and just the cultural tensions. And so um, probably just the question is how to navigate through all of that. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I think looking at the question uh, and understanding what what's like a ba- is there a baseline that we're operating off of of what culture should look like. Uh, if culture is constantly and rapidly changing, which it is, I mean, that is just the nature of the beast. Culture is consistently changing. Uh, social norms and taboos are consistently changing. Mm-hmm. So the, the best way is how should a Christian respond to a culture that is becoming more and more progressive, that is becoming more and more uh, atheistic uh, in their worldview, more naturalistic in their understanding of creation and everything else. And I, I mean, I think the answer is clear as day uh, because one thing I, I think often too that I want to bring up and I, I want to hear, do you guys think that there's stuff that we're confronting now that the church back in Acts and the apostles, and is there stuff that we're facing that they didn't already face? Like there, not specifics, but broad lens of this landscape. I feel like Ecclesiastes speaks to there's nothing new under the sun. Mm-hmm. And so First Corinthians is a beautiful picture of just, I don't know, lots of sin, lots of chaos, things that you read about and you're like, okay, that's not even happening today, at least hopefully not in churches today, but I don't know Yeah, if that answers your question. No, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's kind of what I was wondering is like, there's nothing new under the sun. I mean, this, the sins that we're seeing now have progressed in ways. Yeah. But I mean, you got to think about the church in Corinth. I mean, you, you're, you're looking at uh, incest. You're looking at mm-hmm. some other stuff. Now, shockingly, there's a Psychology Today article that came out. This is going to blow your mind. All right. An article came out from Psychology Today that says for a good, healthy family dynamic, incest is appropriate. <laughs> what? Oh my. what the what? Can you believe that? <laughs> for the psychological welfare of a child. How do you get that far? I, so think out about there that. With it, like, does that does that really shock us? Should that shock Christians? I mean, no, not really. Right? Because the yeah. Bible talks about the society. The Bible talks about the world as being what? Evil. Evil. I mean, think about Romans 1, right? Futile in their mind, yeah. you know, turning to their own passions and lusts. I mean, go on and on and on. So when a culture that is inherently atheistic or agnostic or whatever you want to say, they're dead, they're dead in their sin. And so it, they're not in... They're not running from God. And I think we often think that, oh, non-Christians are running from God. No, 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 no. There's a difference between running from God and standing in stark rebellion and anger and hatred towards God. Mm-hmm. And that's what our society is doing. And that's what the society has always been. Mm-hmm. And that is why God has allowed the birth of the church to go out there to infiltrate, to, to go into the society and to show reform, not by addressing these social issues, but by how? How how can Christians effectively change culture? Is by showing individuals the problem, which is sin. Mm-hmm. 
and doing that in a way that is not in a judgmental way, that is not in a way where I'm just going to sit there and pound you over the head with a hammer and say, Travis, stop doing that. You're an idiot. Oh, Jesus loves you, but you're an idiot. <laughs> Jesus, you know? And so I think a beautiful verse for this is Ephesians chapter four, hmm. uh, looking at verse 14. I'm going to read this real quick through 15. So that we may no longer, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, by the way. So we may no longer be children tossed to and fro from the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. Here, here it is. By human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. So what Paul's saying here is that we need not to be engaging in every single topic that comes up and every single nuanced thing that comes up because it's it's empty deceit and it's human craftiness and cunning. Cunning towards what? Cunning for what? To deceive the church, to try and entrap the church, to try and entrap the Christian. But yet, what does Paul say we need to do? We need to speak truth, which what is truth is what Jesus has done for us, the problem of sin, the problem of original sin that we are needed a savior and do that in a way that is loving. Mm -hmm. But how do you lovingly tell someone you're going to hell unless you believe in Christ. How do you do that? I mean, I think to not do that ah, would be the... That was a trick question. You picked up on it. <laughs> Travis is on point today, dude. I am. Uh, I think to not do that would be the opposition to love. Like, really, when you think about it, like, to not tell someone mm. that, hey, you are in opposition to God and being that way, being in that in that way is going to send you to a place of torment like uh, you wouldn't like not tell your mother and father if like they were lost like you know i don't really care if you're if you burn forever in hell sorry I, i'm not gonna do that like that doesn't really sound like love mm. so like the whole baseline there is to tell people you know hey you're in danger of of sinning against god of, of being found in sin against God and going to hell is love. And I think there's a loving way that we can say that to them. Mm -hmm. um, like I, I think of the difference between a street corner preacher who is just angry and doesn't even seem like they care about, like, they just see people and numbers, they don't see souls in front of them, um, versus the times that I've shared the gospel and it felt so awkward to tell them, if you don't, like confess the Lord is your savior, you're going to hell. I've always uh, married that with, I care about you. And as embarrassing and awkward as it is for me to share this with you, I want to see you in heaven one day. Now, why is it embarrassing and awkward? <clears throat> I mean, I I don't know. I guess because I you don't, being you want to be politically correct. You don't want okay. to tell someone that they're doing something wrong. The, the thing is, it's always matched with, hey, this was me too before Jesus and I'm not perfect. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe I just haven't exercised my faith enough. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if we'll ever get to well, a point where we're so confident in sharing it. That because well, that's why do you think, Travis? Like I, I hear a lot of people say, I, "I'm embarrassed." Because I think you brought that up, and I'll, let's talk about that real quick. Why? Why are we embarrassed? I think there is something to be said about the way the church is viewed by those in opposition to the church. Okay. And there is a little bit of, you know, when I come out and I tell somebody, hey, like, you know, I am a Christ follower. I do go to church. There is a little bit of that sense of, am I going to get lumped in with maybe like a viewpoint of the church that's not biblical? Mm. 
am I going to get lumped in with the street corner preacher who's screaming at people, you know, from the side of the road? Am I yeah. going to get lumped in with, you know, this person who offended them when they were a child or maybe did something else when they were a child? And there is a little bit of that, like, embarrassment there. Or there can be, not even embarrassment, but, you know, yeah. just the awkwardness of like, hey, like, I, I don't believe those things, you know, and having to explain that and confront some awkward situations. So there's a little bit of that. I could I could see that. I feel like when I share it with people, like complete strangers, I have, I don't want to say full confidence, but I feel pretty confident. But when it comes to people that I've built relationships up with a long time, I don't know why. That's huh. where I tend to feel. And maybe that's something I need to process and confess to the mm-hmm. Lord, but that's just where I'm at. Um, it feels harder to almost tell people that I've known for a long period of time versus strangers. Yeah. And, and I would say with that, like one thing it's been with me is because you know, the one individual that I've shared with for years, uh, I used to work with her, is the first time I I shared Christ with her, it was like seven years ago, it was very hard. But the more I've done it, the mm. easier it's gotten to where I can be like sitting across from her, like I'm sitting across from you, Travis, and be like, so where are you at on uh, Jesus? What, what, what do you think? What do mm-hmm. you believe? Well, what is, uh, you know, is we've got to do it. We, we've, we've, you just rip that bandaid off and the more you do it, you know, it, it gets a little bit easier. Now I'll say this. Now I am not exempt from the embarrassment or, no, you know, no. nervousness because I took a discipleship team downtown last week. Uh, I, I was going to ask you how that went. Yeah, I took four, <laughs> four guys and girls down and we had sheets and I said, hey, we're each going to go up and we're going to interact with complete strangers. Uh, so we went down to, uh, is it Pal- Pal- Fox Pier all the way up to that park mm-hmm. uh, right there by Bodacious and stuff like that. So we just went up to, I said, you're going to talk to three people. I only want you to go up to three people, ask them these five questions. Uh, it had everything to do with uh, worldviews and do you believe, uh, what do you think a Christian is? What do you think makes you go to heaven? Stuff like that. The very first time I, I was partnered with uh, one of our college students and she and I went up to a person and I can talk to anybody about anything, but I started talking to him and my heart started thumping. And I'm like, why is my heart like this is nothing? But I think I think here's here's the the key to it is we know that we have the truth, mm-hmm. uh, not not just facts, but like the most objective of all truths that could possibly be true, independent of anyone else's desire, want, whatever. And we know that there's power in that truth. And we know that either one or two responses most likely is going to happen because the Bible doesn't shy away from this. They're going to reject us because they rejected the Father. And mm-hmm. then we're going to have, in the most minuscule sense, the embarrassment of them saying, you're stupid and arrogant, and I've had that happen. Yeah. Or the other thing is God is going to use this through the power of the Holy Spirit to transform and regenerate that individual's life to accept Christ. And so I think we, as Christians, tend to th- think I mean, at least I've had more negative interactions than I've had positive is I think that I, I get nervous. I'm like, I don't know if I want to handle, it's like back to the future. I don't know if I can handle that kind of rejection again, (laughs) Marty McFly's dad. Um, I think that's what it comes down to is we as human beings are made in a way in which we seek communication and approval from other individuals and that kind of rejection, especially when it comes to something true. Mm -hmm. Now switch the context of the setting switch the context of the conversation. Someone's about to go drive on the Pensacola Bay Bridge, but you know that you know that the bridge is out, but there's no roadblocks, there's no nothing. And you know that this individual is going to be driving, it's raining, they're not going to be able to see it. And you tell that person, the bridge is out, Diane, the bridge is out, don't take that route. They have a response. They're saying, 
you're stupid. Scants have tied up the barges again. It's not going to happen. And they're going to go drive and they're going to go drive into their doom or they're going to listen to you. So if they rejected you on warning about the bridge, how would that make you feel? Horrifying. I'd be scared for them. Yeah. Nervous <laughs> for them. And I, th I think that's where that embarrassment also comes from. If we, if we kind of track that down, I mean, maybe you're not tracking, my, maybe my logic's not tracking as much as I think it is, but trying to figure it out, I, I, you know, I think that may be where it comes from. But to bring it back to their individual's question, how can we show Christ's love in a rapidly changing culture? What do you guys think? We've, we've kind of talking about principles leading up to it to now get us to actually answering this question. I think the same way we always have, you, you build relationships and you share the gospel. Like that's, that's, that's really it. Mm. Like, um, you know, I had this whole conversation with someone once. <clears throat> I had a, a student who I was working with and uh, they were, they were fantastic. Like at like conversations with people that they didn't know. Hmm. Fantastic. Awesome. Had no problem with it. <clears throat> but then one day we were talking and I was like, so like, tell me about like your mom, tell me about your dad, your, you know, your sisters. And she was like, yeah, I haven't talked to him about this yet. And I was like, well, that's odd. And I was like, you know, you're, you're really good at this. Has it just not come up or have you not, you know, taken a, and she was like, well, I'm, I'm really scared to talk to them about it. And huh. I was like, oh, that's, interesting. And she was like, well, somebody on the street, <clears throat> if they reject me, whatever. Uh, but like my mother, my father and my sisters, if they reject me, like I live with those people. I see them every day. <clears throat> and so we had a conversation of, you know, if, if of all the people that you're telling this to, if, if this is love to tell people, you know, what the gospel is, then if you haven't even told your mother and your father and your sisters yet, I mean, are you really there? Mm. You know what I mean? Are, are you really like, are you really doing like the work of the gospel to, to minister to the people that you love, Dude. not minister to the people that you love first? Yeah, man. So really like for me, like whenever somebody first comes to know Christ, I'm always like, you know, your family first, tell your family first. Seriously. You know, that's, yeah. that's a, that's the easy, that's a Matthew principle, you know, mm. like it, it's a, you go tell your family first, like then you tell your friends, then you work your way out to people that you don't know. You know, so. What do you think, Diane? How, how can we respond in love to a rapidly changing, or how can we show Christ's love? When I think about spiritual fruit, um, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all those things, those are indicators of Christ working through us. And so to me, that's the most obvious form of, like that will naturally overflow. And sometimes I think that when we have to go out of our way to share it, we start to perform and almost make it a little bit pharisaical if that makes sense hmm. and so part of me the best way to show christ's love is to one have a relationship with christ first which sounds obvious but if you're not abiding daily in jesus you're not going to be bearing the fruit that you need to to be able to love people and then it could be taken as like oh they're just a fake christian or whatever it ultimately it's not up up to us um how people choose to judge us for our motives or our actions but i think that christ's love is most evident in um just the way that our actions, which kind of flow from our relationship with God. So to me, it, it would start there. And then just being a listener and hearing where it is that these people are coming from, if, if they want to share things. But one thing that I appreciate in the apologetics class that you've been teaching is that 
you kind of hear people up to a certain point. You don't have to be knowledgeable on every single subject, but you you hear the most, you hear what, what does their question boil down to. And so kind of like what you did earlier in this podcast, you hear their need and then you kind of find the root cause or the root problem. And ultimately you just use that as a means to mm. share the gospel. And so it always should be brought to, to the gospel no matter what subject you're talking about, whether um, it's gay marriage, whether it's different social reforms, whatever it is, there's always a means in which you can bring that back to God and his word. Yeah. And I, and I think too, just to close us out here is the way you live and conduct your life and what you basically, sometimes what it is that you're not saying and what you're not doing speaks volumes. Mm -hmm. Then like what you were saying, Travis, the, the, if you truly are loving people and you're loving your family and if you can do it with your family and if you can like like you said in Matthew 10, you know, Jesus says, like, I've come to pit families against each other for mm -hmm. the sake of the gospel. And we're not saying that that's what you want. We're just saying that we know that that's a potentiality of what we could do. What I think the Christian needs to do, the best way a Christian can respond is by being consistent and constant. Mm -hmm. You know, just think about how this universe is maintained and sustained. It's by the laws of constants that we have, gravity, thermodynamics. I mean, you can just go through the list and this is what maintains our universe. Ultimately, God does, but he set those in motion. So if the Christian can be constant, if the church can be consistent in the message, the way we're living our lives, the way we're conducting our lives, and by not highlighting one sin as more sinful than the other sin, sin is sin is sin is sin. Yep. The only sin that is unforgivable is the denying of the Holy Spirit, which essentially is a person not accepting Christ, is what the unforgivable or the unpardonable sin is. Yep. So the church needs to be showing love in the consistency and the constant love of pointing out sin, which is through the message of the gospel, because the gospel highlights that sin and not think that one sin is more sinful than the other sin. That's like, that's like me throwing my jeans in a pile of mud, pulling it out, wiping down my back pocket and say, these jeans are not muddy yeah, because I've got this clean spot. Bro, your genes as a whole, the They're part muddy. doesn't describe the whole. The whole describes the whole. I can't defer, derive at truth based off of a part. I mean, that's a foul. You know, I just can't be doing that. So to answer this question, I think the church, not only the church, but the individuals within the church have to be constant and must be consistent in what they're preaching, what they're teaching, and how they're living their lives. Uh, and that is done through the relationship building. That is done through the love of telling them about it because you got to be some kind of a jerk not to sell someone. Yeah. And I say that to them too. I say, I say to them too, especially if I get rejected, I say, look, man, I, I get it that you don't believe this, but if you th put yourself in my shoes, if I believe that this is a hundred percent true, I would have to be some kind of a jerk not to tell you. Right. Mm -hmm. And usually they say, okay, yeah, that's fine. I, I'll give you that. And I just say, Hey, well, thanks for listening and move on. So I think that answers that question. Um, what do yeah. you think? What do you guys think? Yeah. yeah. I think that was really good. Well, thank you, Diane, for joining us on this uh, podcast today. Hopefully we'll have you. And uh, I've got some plans for some other guests to come up uh, with us too throughout the summer. And uh, that way you guys don't get bored listening to just Travis and I draw on about things. You can hear someone else's voice who may be a little more pleasant or a little more rough than ours. So it's true. Cause sometimes I can be dull as a box of rocks. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. out there. Well, thanks Diane. And thank you all for listening. And uh, I'll turn it over to Travis here for 
our closeout, bro. Cool. Thanks so much for listening to the Crossroads Podcast. Crossroads is the premier young adult ministry in the city of Pensacola. You can find out more at allabaptist.org slash young adults. You can also DM your questions to the Crossroads Instagram at Crossroads at Olive. And we hope to see you there and see you next time for the Crossroads Podcast.